What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Tuesday, January 10th. And so there was one man left after the rapid fall of crypto exchange FTX and the indictment of its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. Binance now rules supreme in this sector. By one estimate, it now accounts for more than 90% of all spot trading. But whatever the number is, one thing is for sure. Binance CEO Changpeng Zhao, known by his initials CZ, is now by far crypto's most powerful man. That's given rise to fears that Binance has become, simply put, too large. Critics call it the ultimate poster child for too big to fail, and they say that if Binance goes down, so does whatever is left of crypto. But exactly how did Binance get so big? How did CSED achieve this in a market where so many others have fallen by the wayside? On today's show, I'm joined by Bloomberg reporters Justina Lee. I think Binance is very good at jumping on every crypto trend and giving the people what they want. And Mu Yao Shen. Every trader I've been talking to who's been active on Binance, they say that Binance is not FTX. We unpack how Binance and CZ came to dominate crypto and whether that dominance creates a new threat to the future of digital assets. Hi, Muyao and Justina, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Can I ask you guys to, Muyao, maybe you want to go first. Just state your name and what you cover for Bloomberg. Sure. Um, thanks for having me today. Uh, my name is Muyao Shen, and I am a reporter at Bloomberg News on the crypto team. I cover everything from the you know the biggest centralized exchanges to um, de- decentralized uh, players in the space. And my name is Justina Lee. I'm a reporter on the cross-asset markets team, which basically just means everything, including crypto. I wrote the Business Week cover story last year on Binance, which is probably the longest story you will ever want to read about them. That segues perfectly into what we're going to talk about today, which is Binance. It is a fascinating topic in the sense that we have an industry that built itself on the idea of decentralization that is now, I guess you could argue, more centralized in some ways than ever. Um, and Binance is is obviously at the heart of that. Justina, you've met and spent some time with the CEO of Binance, CZ, Shangpeng Zhao, I'm mangling the name probably, but CZ to those who know crypto. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I mean, the first time I met him was actually back in 2018 when I interviewed him and he invited me to this dinner with him, his co-founder and a Binance volunteer. 
So in that sense, he's a bit like his social media persona. You know, he's very friendly. He's down to earth. I think for some crypto skeptics, he probably comes across as a little simplistic. But in that sense, he's also a very approachable guy. And I think behind the scenes, he's probably a bit more shrewd than he lets on. You know, he's very good at discerning the trends in crypto and jumping on like every bandwagon just fast enough with like really good execution. And in a way, he's, you know, your your classic founder CEO. I mean, he's still very much involved with the management of his company and his current strategy. Yeah. And Mu Yao, what's your experience with CZ? I knew CZ since I first started covering crypto back in 2018. And he has always been a very important player in the space. And at the time, um, with the China ban, I think CZ was one of the first, I think, really intelligent leader, at least in the space, that moved Binance overseas like immediately, unlike a lot of other Chinese exchanges. And one thing that I find fascinating, if you look at the last, what, two to three months in crypto, months in crypto, it's pretty much been as turbulent a time as anybody can remember. And CZ is running by arguably by far the largest company in crypto. He is literally on Twitter, or was at least for a couple of weeks there, on Twitter every single day. He was doing AMAs. He was doing interviews with media. He was speaking at conferences. He was traveling all around the world, meeting with regulators and heads of state and who knows what. How does he do that? Is he just a good delegator? What's the story there? Or does he just work 24 hours a day? Well, he has said before that he has no other interests because he doesn't see anything else that's worth doing. I think he very much is conscious of the fact that he's become, you know, the spokesperson for the entire industry. And of course, he and Binance benefit a lot from that in that, you know, it's very important for him to be there supporting the industry, talking it up, you know, dispelling the FUD, as they say in crypto. Because at the end of the day, you need the volumes to be high and you need sentiment to be strong for the business to be profitable. I think maybe also like, you know, coming from an immigration family background, obviously, I don't know him personally, but I feel like in general, what I see from uh, immigration family like his, they usually kind of have this hardworking, really good quality in general, and they don't really mind working that much. All they care is like if it's worth it. Yeah, mission driven to say the least. And let's zoom out a little bit on Binance because we talk about Binance as a crypto exchange. Um, But they're more than that. It doesn't really work the same way in crypto as, for instance, in stock markets. Justina, can you talk a little bit about like what the entity looks like in terms of the functions that they fulfill? Yeah, I mean, part of this is down to crypto market structure, where it is very typical for a big exchange to also be, you know, the brokerage and in a way the clearinghouse, um, the issuer of products. But I think Binance is also unique in that it's always wanted to be this really user-friendly one-stop shop. And it's kind of managed that through acquisitions as well. You know, for instance, it also owns Trust Wallet, which kind of lets you hold the coins yourself. Um, It's tried to do an NFT marketplace. It kind of has all these derivatives. And, you know, it even has its hand in um, DeFi, uh, which might sound ironic given that the D is supposed to stand for decentralization. But it also has its own blockchain, which is called the BNB chain. 
And so I think some of this is down to like the crypto market structure inherently, but some of that is also down to CZ recognizing that at the end of the day, what users want is one app, you know, one website that can help them get into various aspects of crypto. And is this what's allowed them to become so big so fast? What's the secret sauce here? I think Binance is very good at jumping on every crypto trend and giving the people what they want. I mean, the decision that they made early on that really made them the dominant exchange is capturing the ICO boom. I mean, back in the day when a lot of exchanges were a bit reluctant to basically offer all the coins in the world, I mean, that was exactly what they did when initial coin offerings were all the rage. And I mean, since then, they've also jumped into the futures trend when they decided to get into derivatives back when, you know, there was a bit less up moves. And so a lot of traders started using leverage to capture volatility. And then, of course, they got into DeFi with the BNB chain. And of course, I think a lot of people would say they are quite user friendly, even if you're not a very sophisticated traders and the fees are reasonably low. Another aspect is they're very good at marketing. You know, early on, they had this finance angel program, which is where they recruited these volunteers to be, in a way, like community representatives to talk about Binance and crypto in their native languages, in their native countries. And they very famously helped these trading competitions where they gave out Lamborghinis and all that. And they also do a lot of like affiliate marketing. And so all in all, I just think they're very good at marketing themselves and marketing crypto to like the broadest audience possible. And they have the CZ as the marketing chief as well. Um, I mean, when it comes to being out there, pumping your product, pumping your brand name, not many CEOs do it as much as CZ does. Um. Right, exactly. And the other thing about them that is a pretty strange thing is that they're everywhere, but they're also nowhere. And by that, I mean, they have no pinpointed global headquarters. So they're pretty much in every market that is meaningful in crypto, yet they have no global headquarters. What do we think is the thinking behind this? I think early on, they learned from the China experience. They launched in China and got kicked out after, you know, basically a few months after they launched when China decided to ban crypto exchanges. And so that really forced them to go overseas. And I think if you're being, you know, um, a bit generous, you could say it's always been a bit difficult for crypto companies to obtain a license, especially in the stage when regulators didn't really know what to do with them. But I think it's also true that they were never really ready to offer all the concessions to obtain those licenses and to be regulated. And there are particular benefits to this, because basically it's really hard to establish the jurisdiction over Binance. And if you're nowhere, then you're no regulator's problem. And that's also made them harder to sue, you know, for disgruntled business partners and users, because essentially you cannot establish, you know, what is the parent company that runs this exchange and where are they based? And kind of by sort of operating in this gray area, they've also managed to broaden their market and offer their services to the entire world. Now, that's kind of started to change in recent years when crypto became higher profile and start to draw the attention of regulators. And so basically what's kind of been happening is sometimes when our governments start to crack down on them, they would say that they're going to withdraw from this particular market. Maybe they're going to stop offering futures to Hong Kong people, for instance. But 
you know, even then, it's basically offered them a lot of flexibility and kind of made them not too beholden to any particular market, which is a lesson that they learned early on from being kicked out of China. Was it a shrewd power move or just the luck of the draw? Up next, more on Binance's role in the FTX collapse. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. I want to rewind a little bit, and I want to talk about those early days in November. But I want to start with discussing a little bit the relationship with between CZ and the former CEO of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is now, you know, under U.S. indictment. How did they differ in terms of their public personas? I mean, early on, they seemed to have been allies because CZ actually invested FTX when it first started. But I think as FTX grew, I mean, naturally, they became rivals. And it's been kind of interesting to look at how the two have been differently perceived by the press and the public. Because I think for a lot of people, SBF was really, you know, as you said, like the golden child of crypto, especially in the U.S. I mean, he very openly courted politicians. He kind of had this stellar background with, you know, a degree from MIT and parents who were these famous and well-respected academics. And at the same time, it would seem like CZ was being treated as someone who dodged regulations um, and who was lesser known by the mainstream, even though Binance was a lot bigger than FTX. And he seemed to be, you know, less sophisticated, a bit more foreign. But at the end of the day, I think it would be fair to say, um, even, you know, before the recent revelations, that in a way they play the same game. Like, you know, a lot of crypto exchanges are taking advantage of kind of the regulatory ambiguity. And of course, FTX also operated offshore. And now we get to um, to a part that is, you know, where the drama really starts. And it, this actually takes it through. So you mentioned, Justina, that CSED actually invested in FTX. Huh? And that investment, to a, to, to a certain extent, becomes... In not the root cause, it's certainly not the root cause, but an accelerant in the implosion of FTX because 
uh, CZ got the, ex- the native exchange token FTT when they exited that investment. Justina, can you talk us a little, you know, those, those events around November 6th, I think it all kicked off with a tweet from CZ about selling FTT. What happened there? Yeah. Well, the background to that tweet was that there was a Coindesk story about how Alameda Research's balance sheet was mostly FTT, you know, the FTX token. And Alameda Research is the high-frequency trading arm of FTX. And after that, CZ threatened in a tweet to dump his FTT holdings. And that really set off a vicious cycle there where a lot of clients began withdrawing from FTX, which kind of in turn increased the pressure on the exchange. And after that, in what I think to a lot of us at the time was a shocking turn of events, um, kind of SBF tweeted that Binance was looking to acquire FTX. But then very shortly after that, Binance kind of backed out of it, seemingly, you know, after it looked into FTX's finances and discovered kind of what a black hole it actually was. All right. Well, here we are. FTX is gone. And Binance is supremely dominant. Justina, you've covered this a bit. Where are they now? I think I saw a figure the other day of uh, 92% of all spot trading going through Binance right now. No matter how slice and dice it, how you slice and dice it, they're pretty, they're pretty on top now, huh? Right, exactly. I mean, that's always been sort of an irony of the crypto industry that it talks so much about decentralization. But at the end of the day, we're, we are seeing consolidation take place right before our eyes. And I think it's kind of interesting because CZ has always been pretty honest about how he also thinks that decentralization does have its downsides. And so and we shouldn't sort of just glorify that. But I think this theme is especially true for Binance because it's a very opaque company that we know is, at the end of the day, dominated by CZ. Um, You know, a lot of my reporting has shown that if you look at the entities um, that are within the Binance empire, a lot of them are owned entirely by CZ and no one else. And if you look at the acquisitions that it's done over the years, it's really tried to buy a lot of different crypto entities kind of within the industry to have a a toehold in every single aspect of it. The one thing that we need to sort of point out here is that they were put to the test during a couple of weeks late in the year. There were pretty massive outflows from Binance. And they did, to their credit, I mean, this is something that they are not shy about pointing out. I mean, they did meet all these redemptions. And I think they said, we met them without ever breaking stride. Where does that put us, um, Justina? Do you, do you think that, should we give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of they have been able to handle really sharp outflows? Well, this is a dangerous question to answer in crypto right now. (laughs) But I would say, you know, to a lot of people, it was reassuring that they survived that test. And in in my read of CZ, I do think that he is a much more cautious and you can say even conservative operator than SBF. I think that obviously there are still some reasons to worry. And most of that has to do with the opacity of Binance they released uh, what they called like a proof of reserves audit by this um, auditing firm, you know, a a few weeks ago, I think. Mazars, yeah. Exactly. And it was actually extremely limited. Mazars was very explicit that they only did that based on the instructions of Binance, 
which were not comprehensive at all. And very soon after that, Mazars actually said that they were going to stop doing all crypto work. And so I think that's definitely something that's very worrying if you compare that to at least the traditional finance sector. Muya, what do you think? Where do you stand on this? What are you hearing from market contacts? Every trader I've been talking to who've been active on Binance, they say that Binance is not FTX. But again, like who knows? I think for like the public or users in general to really gain sort of trust from Binance, the key thing is whether if they can find an audit, like one of the big audit firms to really help them to prove to the public that they don't have the sort of liability that FTX had. And also they are not using users' funds in any sort of way as FTX had. Muyao, Justina. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your insights. You can find more of their reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. For more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.